Hey everyone, this is Stephen Overbaugh and you're listening to my podcast. And I just want to look at some things in the Word and share some things from the Word of God that I believe will be a blessing to you. Um, the Word of God is always a blessing, but there's at different times and in different seasons, the Lord will emphasize certain things over other things. And also through certain ministry gifts and certain offices, he'll emphasize certain things through that office. And, you know, there's not just one office in the body of Christ. There are five, according to the scripture. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, tells us what those five ministry offices are. We call them the fivefold. And in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, it said, He gave some, he being Jesus, gave some apostles, gave some prophets, some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, he goes on to say, for the work of the ministry and for the edifying of the body of Christ. And he goes on again to say that till we all come into the unity of the faith unto a perfect man, the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. In other words, until we come into full understanding and revelation in Christ. And so there's always going to be a need for these ministry offices. While we're here on the earth, and I also believe that those offices, the gifts and callings of God never go away, never go away. So we're always going to have a need uh, for preachers and teachers, and we're always going to have a need to um, have those that can feed us the word of God. And so out of these offices come certain things, and it's important to recognize and um, pull on the office and what they're bringing to that particular service or meeting. A lot of times people see somebody and they just just automatically call that person pastor and they call every other minister that they know a pastor. And what happens is they get they don't recognize or they don't have an understanding from the word of God that there are more than just pastors. There are more than just evangelists. I mean, I've heard it for so many years that, you know, you're either a pastor or you're a a traveling evangelist, one or the other. Well, Scripture didn't say that he just gave some evangelists and some prophets, or some pastors. No, but he said that he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, pastors, and teachers. So there's a lot of different gifts. And if you are constantly thinking just pastor, then you're only pulling on a pastor gift and you won't be blessed to the amount or to the level that God has for you. You need to recognize the um, the gift that stands before you that you're uh, listening to. And, you know, spiritually discerned people can recognize the office or the gifts in other people. They can recognize the anointing on other people's lives if you're spiritually discerned and it's important that we uh, grow in our knowledge of the word amen it's important that we become more spiritually discerned than ever before and so anyways I got off talking about that so that I could say this that there will be emphasis on certain subjects at certain time and the Lord will use different offices and different giftings to emphasize those things. And it seems to me 
that in these last days there is a real ev- emphasis on certain subjects, um, not just from me personally, but also from other ministries. I've watched other ministers and have ministry friends, and it's the same Holy Ghost. And there seems to be an emphasis on certain things. And those things would be the coming of the Lord and being ready for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And also an emphasis on being stirred up and ready for the move of the Spirit and being full of the Holy Ghost in these last days. And as many of you do know, uh, an earmark of my ministry is to minister and to teach on the ministry of the Holy Ghost, to teach on the Spirit-filled life, to teach on the move of God in the house of God, but also to teach on believers walking and living in uh, with the power of the Holy Ghost in their lives to take that uh, wherever they go. And also, I teach on uh, being ready for the coming of the Lord. And so all these things, the Lord has uh, placed upon my life to minister. And it's an emphasis that the Lord is bringing in these last days, just before his return. Now, the Lord knows what his body needs at a particular time. The Lord knows when his body needs to be lifted up or uplifted in a certain area of the word. And the word covers everything. The word covers um, everything that we need for our Christian life. It talks about a, a wide variety of subjects. And yet, we need to be on the subject that heaven wants us to be on. We need to be emphasizing the word the message, the parts of the word that, that that heaven wants us to emphasize. And so in these last days, you know, we could be talking about a wide variety of things. And, and actually, part of the pastor's job is to teach or preach on a wide variety of subjects. I like to say he's a general practitioner. But then also, it's important that there be an emphasis on the things that heaven is emphasizing in these last days. So, in these last days, there is a real emphasis on being ready for his move and ready for his return, ready for his coming. The Lord dealt with me back in um, 2021 about teaching the body of Christ about his second coming. Now, I don't just go to one church. I'm I'm not pastoring a church, but the Lord dealt with me to um, travel and to minister on the road. And so what I do is I bring these things everywhere I go. It's not just for one group. It's not just for one body. It's not just for one uh, sheepfold, but it's for the body of Christ as a whole. And the Lord is emphasizing to his body and ministering and and speaking to his body, clearly um, dealing with his body in a strong way to be ready, to be ready. And so it's important that we live ready, amen? I remember something that first that Peter said in Second Peter chapter 1. In verse 12 he said, Wherefore I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of the things, of these things, 
though you know them, and be established in the present truth. Be established in the present truth. So notice that he said in verse 12 that you the things which he's putting, the things that Peter was putting them in remembrance, they already knew them. And the things that they needed to be established in, it's present truth. And it's important that we understand that even though we may know some of these things, it's important that men and women of God continually put, have these things being brought to remembrance. In other words, bring these things back into remembrance. Continue to remind people. And it's important that we continue to stir ourselves up in these things. Continue to um, be stirred up and ready in our spirits concerning these things. Be established, he said, in the present truth. And so I, I always say, you know, I've been delivered from the, the fear of repetition. I'm not afraid to say things over and over again. I want you to turn your Bibles over to Ephesians chapter 5. And let's look at let's look at the thirteenth verse. Ephesians chapter five verse thirteen. He said, But all things that are reproved and that word reproved there is exposed or revealed is or are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Verse 14 says, Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest. Arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that you walk circumspectly, or that word there is cautiously, not as fools, but as wives. wise. Now, he says here to walk cautiously. That's a footnote in my Bible for the word circumspectly. He, the footnote is cautiously. That does not mean that we're to be careful or full of care as we walk. Because that's not walking in line with the word. Because the word says in Philippians chapter 4 verse 6, be careful for nothing. That's a little bit blind to us. We don't say that today. We don't tell somebody be careful for nothing. Have you ever heard anybody say that? No, actually, the Amplified brings us better light on this. It helps us to understand it a little better. The Amplified translation of Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 says, Do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. Do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. Well, bringing that understanding over into what we're looking at right now, in this verse 15 of Ephesians 5, he said, see that you walk circumspectly or cautiously. That is not full being full of care. That is not walking with carefulness. That's not walking with uh, anxiety or fretfulness. No, we're not to live fearful or careful in these last days. Now, this is important. I remember teaching on this one time in a church. And after I was done teaching, um, pastor came up to me, pastor's wife, and she told me that um, one of her congregation 
members had asked her or was a little bit confused about something I had said. She didn't understand about the carefulness versus cautiousness and what the difference actually was. And so the word clearly shows us a difference. And I was able to minister and help the person. I'm going to teach it right now. Basically, the difference is with carefulness and worry, you're holding on to a burden. You're fearful and allowing worry and fretting to take hold of your spirit and to take you down and to take you out of faith. And see, if you're, wor- if you're full of worry and you're full of care, if you're careful about things, if you're troubled about things, then you're not in faith. But no, we're not called to live a life of fear and worry. We're called to live and walk by faith. The, the scripture said, the just shall live by faith in Hebrews chapter 10, uh, verse 38. The just shall live by faith. And so we're never supposed to depart from faith. We're not supposed to depart from faith. Any de- Anytime we ever depart from faith, we've gotten out of his will and we've gotten over into sin. Because it is um, a directive, it is a command from the scripture that we live and walk by faith. Second Peter, Second uh, Corinthians five seven says, "For we walk by faith, and not by sight." And so, anytime you're in care and worry and fearfulness, you have departed from faith, and you've departed out of the will of God for you. But cautiously. He said here, see that you walk cautiously, circumspectly is the King James word. Cautiously is, is a better uh, understanding of that. Cautiously, not as fools, but as wise. So now what is cautious? Cautious is a, spir- is a spiritual discernment of the times. It's having a spiritual discernment of the times. And notice... It says to walk cautiously, not as fools, but as wise. See, when you're walking wisely, according to the scripture, when you're walking in wisdom in line with the word of God, you're walking in spiritual discernment. You're walking in spiritual awareness. You're walking in spiritual light. And that light comes from the word of God. You know, Jesus gave us an example of this in Matthew chapter 25. In Matthew chapter 24, he actually had been teaching his disciples about the end of the world, about tribulation that was coming, about um, the signs of the times. They had asked him different questions, and he was um, teaching them and speaking to them. Um, Actually, out of the prophet's office, things that were to come and things that we're seeing now. And so he's talking to them about the times, and then he gets over into chapter 25, of Matthew, and he starts to talk about uh, ten virgins, and five of them were wise, the scripture says, and five of them were foolish. Notice, remember, he said here, don't walk. He said, see that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. See, and Jesus talked about five virgins that were wise, and five that were foolish, and the re- and the difference between the two. 
Five of them were ready. They had oil in their lamp, and they were ready for the coming of the bridegroom. They were ready for the coming of the the Lord. You can go back and read it. I'm just um, I'm speaking on it right now, but you can go back and read it. It's in Matthew chapter 25. But five of them did not have oil in their lamps, and they were not ready. And so the scripture says, this is how the King James words it, while the bridegroom tarried. While the bridegroom tarried, they slumbered and slept. They slumbered and slept. And, you know, we all know that the the Lord has tarried. The scripture speaks about the Lord waiting. He's waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. And how that the Lord is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so the Lord is tarrying, he's waiting, and he is not um, willing that any should perish. And so that as we wait for the coming of the Lord, as we um, are waiting, we're supposed to be ready. But he's, the scripture t- speaks about how he's tarrying. And that's in uh, James chapter uh, 5. He says here, James chapter 5, Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. The husbandman waiteth. Well, doesn't that sound like what Jesus said? As the bridegroom tarried. He tarried in Matthew chapter 25. Okay, look at, um, real quickly, we can look at Second Peter chapter 3. Verse 8 says, But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering, not to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Well, if you go back prior to these verses, if you look at verse uh, 4 of chapter 3, he said, where is the promise? People will scoff, they'll mock, just like they did in the days of Noah. In the last days, he said, they'll be mocking, they'll they'll be scoffers, and they'll say, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. So see, there's going to be people that are mocking and they're going to be saying in these last days, where's the sign of his coming? He's waiting. He's not here. Where, I mean, you've been talking about the coming of the Lord for so long, but all things continue as they are. See, and that's what so many in the body of Christ are even thinking today. In the world, they think that Christians um, are foolish, are stupid. And in the church, even, a lot of Christians have given up on the revelation and understand the truth of the word that Jesus is coming. And so they don't talk about it as they should. They don't um, think about it as they should. They don't meditate on the scriptures concerning the coming of the Lord. They're not prepared in their hearts. They don't live ready. They live in the world. They live in sin. They live in carnality, and they're not ready for the coming of the Lord. 
And so getting back to what Jesus was talking about in Matthew 25, he said, as the bridegroom slept, or I'm sorry, as the bridegroom tarried, they slumbered and slept. All, all ten virgins, all ten virgins slumbered and slept. That's in Matthew 25, 5. They all slumbered and slept because he tarried. He, a footnote in my Bible says was late, but I don't like that because he's not late. He's always on time. He always does things at the right time. He always does things at the appointed time. There is an appointed time like the scripture teaches. Um, and so God's not late, but he does tarry. And he does have long patience and is long suffering. And he calls for us to be patient. We just looked at those scriptures, James chapter 5. Um, and then um, 2 Peter chapter 3. We looked at those things. And so it says, as they slumbered and slept while he tarried. And then at midnight, it goes on to say that there was a cry made. And behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. And then it noticed the wise virgins, those that had oil in their lamp, they lit their oil and they were ready to go and meet the Lord. But there were five that were foolish. They were not ready. They did not have oil in their lamps. And they said to the five that were wise, give us some of your oil. And they said, no, not so, lest we um, not have enough for you and for us. But said, go and buy some, they said, go and buy some. And while the, the foolish uh, virgins went out to buy oil, the, the, those that were ready to meet the Lord, they went into the party, they went into the marriage, which we know to be the marriage supper of the Lamb, which Revelation chapter 19 talks about. While they went in, the door was shut, the scripture says. The scripture said that the door was shut. And the five that were foolish, they came out and they stood outside the, the party, outside the house. And they said, Lord, Lord, open unto us. Now I'm going to say this strongly out of the office that I stand in. There are many in these last days that are calling Jesus Lord, but they don't know him as they should. And he does not know them. He does not know them. And they think that they're going to heaven, but they're not ready for him. They're not ready as they should be. The Lord came out and said, Truly or verily I say, I do not know you. I know you not. I know you not. And then Jesus says something very important here. He says, Watch therefore, for you know not the day nor the hour when the Son of Man shall appear. Now I always have paid attention to what Jesus has said. And I think that it's important that we not overlook the things that Jesus said. Jesus doesn't say things for no reason. Jesus doesn't say things for no reason. Jesus always says things, and he always speaks in truth. He continually speaks truth, and he speaks the words of his Father. And he said that in the scriptures, in the gospels, the words that I speak unto you. They're not of my own, but they're the Father in me. He doeth the works. Uh, John chapter 14. Um, so Jesus doesn't say things for no reason. He does not say things for no reason. And so when Jesus said, Behold, I know you not. I know you not. That's something we should be paying attention to. Now, 
when the voice of the Holy Ghost and the voice of the Word is speaking, it brings comfort, it brings faith, it brings direction, but it also brings correction. And I remember a minister saying, you know, uh, concerning prophecy one time, he said, well, if it's truly prophecy, it's going to be edification, exhortation, and comfort. And these, and anytime it's bringing uh, a message that's strong or hard or, or judgmental, then it's not of the Lord. But see, I challenge that according to the scripture, and I don't, I don't sit in judgment of the man. I'm sitting in judgment of the, of what's being said. We should judge what's being said in the light of the word. And what the word teaches is that through prophecy, the spiritual gift of prophecy, which it does bring edification, exhortation, and comfort. That's in First uh, Corinthians chapter fourteen, verse three, I believe. But there's more to it than just prophecy. When the Spirit comes on certain offices to prophesy, they can speak forth more than just edification, exhortation, and comfort. They can speak a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge or a word of direction by the Spirit of God in due season. And that can bring a message of correction and direction. And that can have in it a message that is very strong, a message that is uh, judgment. Not, not so that God can keep people out, but so that God can bring them in and cause them to repent. And you know, when the Lord speaks in a strong way, when the Lord deals with people about judgment in his church to, to come in, he's dealing with them to repent. Now, Jesus said in, his, in um, the Gospels, his very first message that he preached his very first message that he preached, it was repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And there's not enough talk, there's not enough preaching on repentance today. There's not enough, I, in fact, I rarely hear that word used, even among Pentecostal circles and word of faith circles, the word repentance. But God is calling for repentance in these last days. And, you know, continuing to further um, solidify what I'm saying and to um, prove what I'm saying by the scripture, Peter said, the days are coming when judgment shall begin at the house of God. And if the righteous scarcely, scarcely be saved, where shall the heathen be? That is in um, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 17. And so there is much to be said about judgment. There is much to be said about repentance. There is much to be said about correction in the body of in the word of God. And so it's not just going to be edification, exhortation and comfort. Thank God for it. But there's also other things that the Lord is saying in these last days. And actually I've found in my ministry when the Spirit of God comes on me and I begin to prophesy and speak by the speak the word of the Lord, that the direction and the correction comes, but then the Lord comes with the answer. He comes with the comfort. He comes with edification and, and exhortation. Because the see, the Lord wants to build up his people in these last days. The Lord is wanting to strengthen his church. The Lord is looking for faith in the earth in these last days. And he's calling for us to come up and do his will. Amen. Glory be to God. Now I want to get back to what we were talking about here. 
remember in Ephesians chapter 5, we looked at it, verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly or cautiously, not as fools, but as wise. Remember, and we just looked at it, Matthew chapter 25. There were five that were wise and there were five that were foolish. And so when we're talking about how to walk, when we're talking about how we should be walking in these last days, Scripture says to walk cautiously. Well, that cautiousness is spiritual discernment, spiritual awareness, spiritual readiness. Can you say amen? And if you walk in readiness, you're walking as wise. Glory be to God. You're walking in the light. Because remember he said here in um, the 13th verse, and the 14th verse, he talked about the light, didn't he? Well, the light comes from the word. The light comes from the word of God. Remember that the scripture said in Psalms 119, 105, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And then verse 130, 130 of that same opening says, the entrance of thy word giveth light. And so the word of God is a light. The word of God is the light. And in order to walk wisely and to walk in spiritual discernment and to walk in spiritual readiness, we need to be staying with the word. We need to continue in the word. We need to uh, stay in the word, continually feeding on the word, continually meditating on the word, and continually uh, being doers of the word. I like what Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse 7. He said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, then ye shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Now, he was talking about prayer. He was talking about um, receiving from God when you pray. And, he was, and actually, in prior verses, he was talking about um, being close to God and letting the Lord, and how the Lord is a husbandman, and how we're the branches, and uh, the Lord Jesus reveals himself as the vine. And we are the branches. But he gets over to verse 7. He's talking about prayer and how to receive from God in prayer. And how to have your prayers answered every single time. And he says, in order to have your prayers answered every single time, there's two things that need to be going on. There's two things. There's two requirements. If you abide in me, and notice my words abide in you. Then you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. I want you to notice that there's two things he says there. Abiding in him and his words abiding in you. Now, I remember something that Jesus said to me personally one time. He came and visited me in my room one time when I was in the spirit. And he spoke to me. I'd say for about 40, 45 minutes about the condition of the world, about the condition of the church, and about what's going on in these last days and what will take place in these last days. And um, what I, the, point, the one thing that he said to me that I want to emphasize in this particular um, lesson is that he said that it, in these last days, stay close to me. 
And if you'll stay close to me, you'll be forewarned and you'll be prepared. You'll be forewarned and you'll be prepared. The Lord Jesus emphasized to stay close, to stay um, close. And in other words, like Jesus said in John 15, verse 7, abide in me. We need not to be departing or getting out away from God or getting out away from his word, but we need to be abiding close or staying close to him in these last days. But not, I mean, all the more in these last days. But he said clearly, abide in me. Well, Jesus said to me personally, stay close to me. And then he, he says also, and if my words abide in you. Then you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. It is absolutely necessary that the word of God be abiding in us as believers in order to have um, success in our life and victory in our life. In order to have our prayers answered, the word of God needs to be abiding in us. I want you to notice something. He's, I want you to notice something else in this opening in John chapter 15, verse 7. He says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. I want you to notice five times he says the word you. Five times he says the word you. So what that tells us is that whether or not our prayers are going to be answered is more dependent on you and me than it is on God. He's emphasizing that if you're going to abide in me and my words abide in you, then you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Whether or not your prayers are answered is more dependent on you than it is on God. Now that's hard for some people because... They think that whether or not prayers are answered, whether or not I receive from God is, is if God chooses to do it for me, if God wills to do it for me. If it's God's will, then he'll do it. You hear a lot of people say, maybe we've said it ourselves. Maybe you said it yourself one time. If it's God's will, he'll do it. If it's God's will, he'll, he'll, he'll heal me or he'll bless me. Or if, I, if this is something that's supposed to happen, then, it, and then, then God will do it. But that's not it. That's not what the Word teaches. No, the Word teaches that we're to have be abiding in Him and His words are be, to be abiding in us. His will needs to be in us. We need to know His will and His Word needs to be abiding in us so that when we go to the Lord and ask in faith, we know we're asking according to His will. We know what His will is. We know that what we're asking for is in line with his will. And we know that we have, can receive from him. And Jesus says, then you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. It shall be done unto you. Why? Because you know. And you're, at, you're, you're asking in line with the word of God. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 says, This is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And we know, if we know that we, he hears us whatsoever we ask, we know we have the petitions. That word petitions there means requests that we've desired of him. 
So see, this is confidence, the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. Well, how can we ask according to his will if we don't know his will? But see, Jesus said, if, you, if my words abide in you, then you shall ask what you will. See, once you get his word abiding in you, then you know what the will of heaven is, then you shall ask according to his will, and it shall be done unto you. And whether or not your prayers are answered is more dependent on you than it is on God. I always like to teach when it comes to prayer that if you're going to pray, before you get down on your knees to ask God or to make your requests known unto God, before you pray about anything, make sure that you go and get in the Word first and know the will of God concerning what you're asking Make sure that you get in the Word first, go to the Word first, and find scriptures to cover your case. Before you ever get down to pray, a lot of people just jump straight into prayer, and they kind of throw together a wishy-washy um, prayer that's more based on their feelings and based on um, what they're going through rather than based on the Word. I like to, it's kind of like when you are like the old adage, just wishing upon a star or, you know, trying to just see if something happens, treating this as if, as if it's a, it could happen or it could not. I'm just going to give this a try. But it's not how prayer works. And a lot of times people just run into prayer and just ask God for all kinds of stuff and they have no idea if it's the will of God or they have no idea what scriptures promise them the things that they're asking for. But no, we need to always go to the word first and find scriptures that promise us the things that we're believing God for and then go to him in prayer. And if you will abide in him and his words abide in you, then you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. That's the will of God that you know his word and that you ask and make requests according to his word. And he promises, and it shall be done unto you. I remember something Brother Hagin said, and it's such a profound statement. He said, when I learned how to pray, I always had my prayers answered. Once I figured out, or once I learned how to pray, based on the word of God, I've never had one prayer go unanswered. You know, that's absolutely the truth because, and that's so foreign to some people, or some people, they've never heard that or heard such confidence that you can have every single one of your prayers answered. You can always have your prayers answered. You can have 100% success in prayer. Well, I mean, 50% would be good. If you could get 50% of your prayers answered, wouldn't that be good? If you could get 75% of your prayers answered, that would be wonderful. But think about 100% of your prayers being answered. Well, there's a place we can get to. We can have 100% of our prayers answered. Not just asking uh, God randomly and um, uh, just sporadically for things. And not just going to God in prayer and just saying and just throwing a bunch of words together. And, and hoping that it comes to pass. 
throwing some kind of a prayer together and hoping that it to, that it comes to pass that God hears you. But no, here knowing that when you go to the Lord, you're asking, you're requesting in faith based on what his word says and knowing that he heard you and knowing that you shall receive, knowing that you shall that you'll have the petitions that you've desired of him. First John 5 says of verse 14. And so knowing, amen, glory be to God, knowing. And that must, there was, we took a little side journey on prayer. But in these last days, we can have our prayers answered. We can walk in the light of the word of God. Verse 13 says, the things that are exposed, revealed, are made manifest by the light, Ephesians 5.13. In verse 14, he says, Christ shall give thee light. What is the light? It's the light of the word. It reveals, it shows us how to walk. It shows us what we should do in every single situation. I always like to say, what does the word say? What does the word say? We should always ask ourselves in every single situation, what does the word say? If you don't know what the word says, then you can't walk in the light of it. Glory be to God. I'm going to continue to read to the end of this part here in Ephesians 5. He says, walk cautiously, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be not unwise, but understand what the will of the, of the Lord is. See, again, understanding what the will of the Lord is. The will of the Lord is revealed in his word, and the will of the Lord is also revealed in the word that he speaks to your heart personally. The, the word of the Lord to you through the Spirit of God, through the Holy Ghost, when he speaks to you personally, when he witnesses to you personally, when he deals with you in your spirit, the will of the Lord. Understanding what the will of the Lord is. Verse 18 says, And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Now notice, he says, Don't be drunk with wine wherein is excess. He calls it excess. It's not profitable. It's not, um, it's not to your profit. It's just excess. But be filled with the Spirit. Now that word, be filled, uh, there's a play on that word. If you look it up in your Greek concordance, you'll find that there's a play on this word. Actually, what it means is, but be being filled. But be being filled. In other words, maintain a constant experience of being filled with the Spirit of God. Continually filling yourself up with the Spirit of God. I always like to say it this way, just stay full of the Spirit of God on the day-to-day -day basis. Don't let yourself go dry, don't let yourself go empty, but stay full, but be being filled. In order to walk in the Spirit, you have to continually fill yourself up with the Spirit of God. Because if you don't, if you let yourself go dry, then you become um, insensitive to spiritual things. You become dull to spiritual things. But no, be being filled, staying full of the Spirit of God. Well, now, how do we stay full of the Spirit of God? How do we continually fill ourselves up with the Spirit of God? Well, um, 
one way that I like to teach, and there, there's a, a number of things we could talk about here, but one initial way that we can continually fill ourselves up with the Spirit of God and be being filled is found in Jude chapter, uh, Jude verse 20. There's only one chapter in Jude. Jude verse 20. He said, Beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith. Notice, praying in the Holy Ghost. So how do we fill ourselves up? How do we build ourselves up? One, the initial way is to uh, pray in the Holy Ghost. Start praying in tongues. Start praying in the Spirit. And as you do, you'll fill yourself up with the Spirit of God. Now, I, I like to tell people, and this is important teaching on praying in the Spirit, is that you pray in faith. Don't just start speaking out words in tongues, and, and but you're letting your mind wander. Don't And letting your mind wander or letting yourself think about other things or... Or be distracted with other things. But really focus and hone in on praying in the Spirit in faith. Set aside time to pray in the Spirit. It's I pray in the Spirit everywhere I go. But there's no substitute for taking time, setting aside time to pray in the Spirit. And that's all that you do. In other words, give God more time give God more time. I remember something the Lord said to me when I was in the spirit one time praying. He said, be faithful to pray. Be faithful to pray. Don't give up prayer in this hour, but continually fill yourself up from day to day. And you know, that's an admonishment for all of us that we continually fill ourselves up, continually um, pray and seek the face of God. And like I said, setting aside time. There's no substitute for setting aside time to wait on the Lord and pray in the Spirit and listen to Him and what He's saying to you, the direction that's coming from Him. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Well, guys, I trust that you were blessed by this teaching. And like I always say, um, thank you for partnering and being a part of what the ministry is doing. For those of you that are partners, uh, thank you for being a part. Thank you for sowing and giving into the ministry. It's making a difference. Uh, it is helping Stephen Overbaugh Ministries to continue with the mandate that the Lord Jesus has given to us. And so it means a lot to me. And thank you. And remember, you can follow the ministry on Facebook, on YouTube, and on Roku TV. You can follow and get updates on the ministry and meetings that are taking place uh, on the website stephenoverbaugh.com and God is good God is moving and remember to stay full of the Holy Ghost in these last days and stay praying in the Spirit in Jesus name glory be to God